IBN is proud to bring you the following podcast. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm TJ O'Hara, the principal political analyst for IBN, the independent voter news. Our goal on Deconstructed is to break down important political issues with outstanding guests so you can develop your own more informed opinion. My guest today is Brian Mistro, founder and president of One Nation Movement, a nonprofit 501c3 that offers unique policy perspectives and recognizes the need for productive collaboration and strong coalitions to achieve common goals. Mr. Mistro has quite an interesting background. In 2007, he founded PBM firm LLC, a firm specializing in regulatory affairs in the pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and medical device sectors, hence the acronym PBM, and he served as its president. In 2015, he founded American Moderates, a new political party, and then he merged it with other parties across the nation to form the Alliance Party, which is now the fifth largest political party in the country. Mr. Mistro led the Alliance Party as its national chair until late 2019. Then, in early 2020, he worked with several other activists to found One Nation Movement. Through that organization, he remains heavily involved with national politics and continues to work with other leaders across the country to find solutions to the most critical issues facing America. Mr. Mistro is here today to talk a little bit about his political journey and to what One Nation Movement is all about. Welcome to Deconstructed, Brian. Well, thank you, TJ. And you and I have known each other, I guess, several years, and we've been trying to set up a time for you and I to get together and chat. And I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to make it some fun today. So thank you for having me on. You're welcome, Brian. One Nation Movement is an interesting organization. What brought you to that point after having formed parties? Now you're into a different approach. So tell me what brought you to that point and what does that mean? Well, you know, we're going to step back and I don't certainly don't want to spend too much time on it, but I got into what we'll call politics roughly in 2015 because I was very concerned about where the country was going. And like you, and, you know, I suspect probably the most of the folks that listen to your program, I was concerned about the political parties and the direction. And so we got together and as you mentioned, we created the Alliance Party through a merger of parties across the country in an effort to try to make things better. And some of the fifth largest political party, I'm very proud of what we've done. But through that and through those connections, I was able to meet some incredible people that are ideologically the same as I am, and I'm very conservative. And we wanted to create an organization that could specifically get out there and make a difference. And when we did that, we asked ourselves, what are the three most critical things that will affect every single American? And I'm going to tell you what they are. It's our democracy. It's the national debt. And it's climate change. And through that, we formed a company roughly about a year and a half ago. We are a foundation, a C3. And we formed it to address these. But our approach on it is very, very different. What is the mission of One Nation Movement? So our goal is to address and actually solve some of these three issues, as it is in you know, climate change and national debt and faith in our electoral system. So let's chat about that just a second, because if you go to our website, it might not be extremely apparent on what we do. And we're going to talk about some election truths for just a second, and we can go from there and talk about specifically what we're doing and how we're doing it. But let's talk about election truth for just a moment. If you are a Democrat, a hardcore Democrat, or a progressive, okay, you're going to vote a straight blue ticket. 
There is no Republican that can run. There is no message they can put out. There's no policy that they can state. There is no amount of advertising that they're going to do that's going to change that vote. On the flip side of that, if you're a hardcore Republican, if you're part of the Make America Great Again crowd, it's the same thing. You're going to vote a straight red ticket. There is no Democrat that's going to run. There's no policy they're going to take up. There's no amount of advertising that they're going to be able to do that's going to change your vote. What we found is that there is a center-right or 5 to 10% of conservatives slash Republicans who are persuadable. We call those our one-nation army, and that is all we target. Are you a Republican organization, or are you trying to also stimulate independence and stimulate the thinking of perhaps only slightly left-leaning Democrats? Yeah, so we are a strictly conservative organization. Everybody on our board is conservative. Most of them are nationally known. But that said, as you know, and, and I'm assuming that most of your listeners know, a 501c3 cannot be political. So we're not necessarily partisan. But we've realized that there is a segment of the electorate that can change the outcome of the elections. And by being able to target them and speak directly to them, you're going to be able to change the outcome of where these things go. And especially in the democracy, in the climate change and national debt space, the problem hasn't been for them coming up with really good ideas. The problem is the messaging. There is no one message that will resonate with Democrats and the slightly left Democrats and the center-right Republicans and the Make America Great Again crowd. Listen, those are all different messages. So our goal is we're not a policy organization. We are not the Niskanen Center, and, and we love the Niskanen Center. Listen, that's a, it's a think tank. They have great people and these great ideas, and they spend all this time researching climate change or the national debt. You know, they're, they've got PhDs in political science and, and environmental engineering and, and everything else, and that's fantastic, but that's not us. What we do, instead of creating policy, is we identify partners to work with and we take what they're doing and their policy, we take that messaging, we craft it into something that's specific for our One Nation Army, and that's what we push out. And again, it's only 5 to 10% of the electorate, but I have to tell you, TJ, that's an incredibly, incredibly critical part of the electorate. And we can chat some more about that if you'd like. Well, we can certainly do that, but why does the United States need an organization like One America Movement. There are a lot of things going on, as you know, parties that have specific focus, the think tanks and so forth. Why does the United States need One Nation Movement? Well, we need a One Nation Movement because the problem is getting these things done. If you look, I mean, and again, I'm going to focus a little bit on a lot of climate change. And the reason being is I think we were invited to EarthX uh, last week, so a lot of it's on my mind. But the problem isn't finding good answers and good policies. The problem is selling. And it doesn't matter which of these organizations or, or which of these key issues that you're talking about. They have not focused on that. Instead, they're trying to come up with a better idea or they're trying to send out messaging that and oftentimes may be partisan or trying to appeal to too broad of a crowd. And it doesn't work. It hasn't worked and it won't work. So our goal is, listen, we are extremely, extremely enthusiastic about fixing these issues. We realize and we've identified that these issues, TJ, are something that will affect every 
single American. I don't care who you are. If we can't get people to believe and understand that the elections were fair that we had this last year, if we can't get them to understand that there was no fraud that could change the outcome of those elections, if we can't do that, then people will lose faith in our electoral process and our voting system, and that could cost us our democracy. If we can't get a hold of the national debt and understand how critical that is, that's going to affect every single person in this country. We could lose our reserve currency as the dollar. You know, the, just the debt that we're going to pay on the national debt, the, the interest on it is just incredibly high, and it's getting worse every single year. And thus, the national debt is the biggest threat to America's sovereignty. Climate change goes without saying. If we can't address climate change and get solutions out there that will work, if we can't do that, then that's the greatest threat to our planet. So while it might seem that those three areas that we work in are completely disconnected, they're very, very connected. And if you're an American and you're listening to this right now, I guarantee you, you will be affected by these and your children and your grandchildren will. So how much you get affected, that may vary, but you will be affected. Well, Brian, we're going to take a quick break and talk about One Nation Movement's key issues when we come back. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers is the only association of nonpartisan election reform leaders, organizations, and industry professionals dedicated to increasing electoral competition and voter choice. Learn more at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back. My guest today is Brian Mistro, founder and president of One Nation Movement. Brian, we were talking about the three issues, voting, climate change, and national debt. Let's start with voting. How does your organization define the problem before you start looking to collaborate? That's a great question, and it's something that we should try to explore maybe a little bit deeply, but let's talk about something that just recently happened. So David Perdue, who's running for governor as a Republican in Georgia, his opening statement was that the elections in 2020 were not fair, it was stolen, and they were rigged. And that is patently false. We'll talk about specifically in Georgia and his state. They confirmed two recounts. They counted every single ballot by hand. They took it to the courts to try to oppose it and they lost every single one. And the judges in those courts were appointed by Trump. And as a matter of fact, this was the first election, people don't know this, first election in 20 years in Georgia where they actually used paper ballots. Georgia was one fair and square. There was no measurable fraud enough to change the outcome of that election. And the people that are running that and saying that are absolutely incorrect. It does not match the fact. We'll talk about Arizona too in just a second. But one of the things that's important to remember is we are not advocating as a C3 to vote for or against David Perdue or Kemp or a Republican or a Democrat or any of that. We're trying to educate the public that these elections were not stolen. There was extremely little fraud. Even Trump's own administration came out and said, it was one of the safest elections in the history of our country. And yet there's still key figures out there, political figures that are pushing out with things that are just patently false. I mean, let's talk about Arizona. And there have been so many conspiracy theories out there about Arizona. And let's just correct several of these that have come out. 
So one of the conspiracy theories was that Hugo Chavez or something connected into the internet onto the voting machines in Arizona and switched the votes, you know, from, I guess it was from Trump to Biden. That's false. The ballot counting equipment has never, ever been connected to the internet. In fact, because the Senate in Arizona pushed forth, and everybody's heard of the, the cyber ninjas that you know, came there to do their, to do their quote, audit. They also brought in two independent, certified, non-political organizations to take a look at the voting equipment and test it. And they came out and said it was never connected to the Internet. They could not find anything in there. Well, one of the other conspiracy theories was that, you know, people were coming in and they vote in one county and then they go vote in another. Or they send in a mail ballot and they go vote in person and this kind of stuff. That doesn't work in Maricopa. You literally cannot do that. It's impossible with their system to be able to vote twice. One of my favorites was that, oh, you know, they're using Sharpies. And what happened is that they might Sharpie one side and then it bleeds through the ballot to the other side. No. <laughs> First of all, Sharpies were allowed, okay, to be used on the ballot. But what they did is they took the little ovals that you color in and they were offset in such a way that even if there was bleed through, which there wasn't, but even if there was bleed through, it could never go into another oval. So again, we're not saying go vote for this person or don't vote for this person or anything else. What we're trying to do is educate our One Nation Army, specifically that 5 to 10% of center-right Republicans, we're trying to educate them that there was no fraud. There was nothing of, I think we had 475 cases total across the country in fraud. Nothing that could even come remotely close to changing the outcomes of these elections. So it's important for Americans to understand that these people that are saying that, I'm not even sure that they believe it. And I'm, I don't know why they're doing it, TJ. Maybe it's to raise money. It's hard for me to believe that they actually believe this nonsense. Or maybe it's to activate their base. Regardless of why they're doing it, it is wrong. It's been proven. And I'll tell you one of the things. The people that are the loudest voices saying, this did not happen. It is not true. The loudest voices doing this are all Republicans, not Democrats, Republicans. And we can count ourselves in that group. Every single person in our organization is a conservative as well. So this is not Democrats going. This is not the usual part of the nonsense they do. It's patently false. And that's why we focus so much time into trying to address the realities of what happened in 2020 election. Brian, I think one of the issues as an independent that I notice is the extreme element of positioning. Absolute language that there was fraud and the election was stolen. And I agree with you predominantly, if not exclusively, that comes from the Republican Party, a certain segment of the Republican Party. Conversely, you have people who talk about racism a lot on the Democratic side as it impacts the validity of an election. And using language like Jim Crow 2.0 when you're doing mm -hmm. education and you're reviewing the laws, from what perspective are you doing it from a conservative perspective or an independent perspective? Because I've reviewed the laws, I've read the laws in Georgia, Texas, and so forth that have been referred to as Jim Crow 2.0. And it's very difficult to find what the basis is for that. So do you do it from an independent perspective or do you do it from a conservative perspective? And if so, how do you eliminate bias? You know, that's absolutely a great question. And 
again, it sounds like, you know, we've focused most of our efforts on trying to beat up, you know, our fellow conservatives on the right about pushing these lies. But you're you're 100% correct, TJ. You know, this, this coming out with its, its Jim Crow 2.0 and a lot of this nonsense is just is just ridiculous. Okay, so the the changes. I mean, if you want to focus in Georgia for just a second, a lot of the changes that they put in those laws, you know, made sense. Okay, they tried to strengthen a lot of the things that they were doing. Now there were things that they took out. They did reduce some of the polling stations. They had a, I think it was in 2020, they had a, like a mobile polling place where you could go to vote. And that was a primary in Fulton County. But, you know, IDs, voting IDs, and maybe in this way, while we try to look at this as an organization, we try to look at it independently. You know, there are things that I think all of us believe that there's a certain level of effort that every American citizen should make to vote. It's our greatest gift as a democracy into America. And so many people have died for it. And so anything that helps to strengthen that vote and would reduce that fraud, you know, we had a total of (laughs) 475 across the country, all right? Or or maybe even more importantly, that would help people to feel that their vote was more secure. We don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, you know, there's things that you can do if, if you can make it easier for people to vote and keep it secure. What's wrong with that? That should be an easy one. The issue we would have, whether it be Democrat or Republican, independent, I, I don't care. The issue we would have is if you're trying to change and enact laws that do not achieve their stated goals and may be targeted to the equivalent of a gerrymandering a district targeted to a specific group. And that we would have a problem with, and that we will address. And again, the way to do this, TJ, is, is, is yes, everybody in our board is a conservative. It will always be a conservative board. That's one of the things that helps cohesion of what we're doing as an organization. But as long as we can come at this and provide facts that are independently able to be verified, and gather, what, again, what I'm saying is our, our One Nation Army together with cohesion through facts and truth and science. That's how you fix these types of things. Because I guarantee you, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, you know, or an independent or the Make America Again credit or the, or the progressives, it doesn't matter. They're going to try to pitch it and make it a political battle. Our votes and our voting process should not be political. It's not a political football. Fix it if there's problems, make it better, make it easier. That's democracy. And that's what we believe. Brian, very quickly, can you mention some of the organizations that you're collaborating with on the voting issue? On the voting issue, I don't want to say that we're going it alone. I can say that we have been in touch with the folks in Georgia and Arizona to really try to understand where their issues are. And these are all Republicans that that we've been talking to understand you know what they see as the issue talk about the truths and realities that have happened in the election and then we're taking that and we are pushing it out to our one nation army so there's something important i want to bring out because you hit on a point here we're a partnering organization not a policy organization we've already discussed that but when we partner with an organization they don't pay us penny the whole goal of what we do is through donors that support our effort so that we can take these messages on whether it be climate change or 
election integrity, whatever it is, that we can take this and push out the truth to our One Nation Army. And so it's important to point out that we're not a business, okay? We're, we're in this for the right reasons. Nobody on our board has ever been paid a single penny. As a matter of fact, it's in our bylaws. If you're on this board, you can never be paid a penny from the organization. We're here to do the right thing and make the country a little bit better. So it's just, I just wanted to focus on this so that your listeners will understand what makes us a little bit different. Well, thank you, Brian. We're going to take a quick break and talk more about One Nation Movement's key issues when we come back. Looking for an insider's perspective? Join IVN's principal political analyst, Dr. T.J. O'Hara, as he deconstructs America's most pressing issues with notable guests from across the political spectrum. Subscribe to Deconstructed for fresh perspectives and no partisan spin. Welcome back. My guest today is Brian Mistro, founder and president of One Nation Movement. Brian, we've covered the voting integrity issue. Let's get into climate change. How does your organization define that particular problem? You know, that's a great question. And I will tell you that it's something very dear to my heart, TJ. And I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I'll say so many of my fellow conservatives have just pushed this apart and not realized how critical and important climate change is and that we address it. And this climate change is just one part of a greater problem that we're dealing with environmentally. But that's what we're going to focus on today. To those out there that are listening to this, and we say this as a conservative organization, climate change is real. Full stop. Anyone that says otherwise is either uneducated or they're trying to push something on you. That's simply not true. It is real. Just some facts. In 1950, we surpassed CO2 levels worldwide that we haven't seen in a million years. Why does this matter? Because CO2 is one of the principal heat-trapping molecules that gets in our atmosphere and is warming our planet. So in 1950, we crossed a point that this planet hasn't seen in a million years. Now get ready for this. Since 1950 to today, it's dumped what happened. So it's important for people to understand that this is one of the most critical and important things happening right now. And I'm going to give you a little bad news. What's happened right now and the effects it's going to have are not reversible in our lifetime. And I say this not from a partisan organization, but I welcome anyone to go take a look at the work that NASA has done. That's not a partisan organization at all. Look at the things that they're talking about. This is real, folks. It is happening. And we have got to fight this, not just for us, but for our children and our grandchildren. TJ, if you'll let me, I'd like to share a little bit of what happened to us this last week and talk about, hopefully kind of drive home to your audience, what we do, and especially as it involves the climate change aspect. Is that okay? Absolutely. Go ahead, Brian. So last week... We were invited to a small private meeting at EarthX down in Dallas. For those that don't know what EarthX is, it was created by Trammell Crow. It is the largest environmental organization and movement in the planet. And they annually have, around Earth Day, a meeting where I mean, folks literally come in from around the world to be involved in this. And it's not all about climate change. There's, there's different aspects and, and so forth. But we were invited to this meeting. And I've got to tell you, TJ, I met such amazing people. These folks are smart. They're 
driven, they're focused, they're enthusiastic, they're coming up with creative solutions. And I'll share one of them with you. One of the things we talked about was getting together with oil and gas companies and getting them to cap their wells, to stop their leaks, basically to make what they're doing more efficient. And that's a good thing for the oil and gas company because you don't want your products spilling off and not being able to collect on it. And from an environmental perspective, that's one of the main contributors to methane gas. And so for your listeners that don't know, methane gas is even more of a heat-trapping molecule than CO2. The, I hate to put this in quote marks, but the benefit of methane is that it bleeds off a lot quicker. So it dissipates in roughly 10 years versus CO2 that will take decades. So again, this is one of these practical ideas that I think everybody could get behind, even the oil and gas companies, and even if you're a conservative or you're not a strong environmentalist, it's totally fine. These, these kind of things, you know, make sense. And I'm going to share, <laughs> I, I've been a little bit hesitant about bringing this up, but it was a great meeting. And so we went to a cocktail party that evening and I had a lady came up to me and uh, she said, I, I love what you're doing. Oh, it makes perfect sense what One Nation Women's doing. It's, I want to thank you so, so much for getting involved in this. And I agree with you and, and so forth and so on. And I said, well, you know, thank you. But we really appreciate it. She said, well, I'd like to talk to you about what we're doing. And I was like, well, you know, I've heard so many incredible creative things. Absolutely. What are you guys doing? And she says, we're taking CO2 and we're turning it into chicken. <laughs> and so I said, wow. I guess that Americans are going to go out now and they're going to buy them a Humvee and they're going to plug their chicken machine into the tailpipe and, and everything is great, you know? And I laughed and she didn't laugh. And I realized she was being serious. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my goodness, wow, you know, um, that really will turn rush hour traffic into a bloody mess. But yeah, and again, I'm, I'm not making fun of her. But it drives home one of the points, if, if you've listened to anything in, in this entire discussion, it's one of the points that I want to make. So what we do is we're a partnering organization. And let's pretend, give me a break for just a moment. Let's pretend there really was a chicken machine, all right? And it's crazy out there idea, but let's just pretend for one moment. The things that the chicken machine could do, it would fix the environmental problems of these chicken coops. It would stop global warming. It would feed the hungry in Africa. It would likely stop poverty across the world. And right now your listeners are saying, wow, if we really had that chicken machine, it would change the planet. It would change this country. And I'm going to tell you, no, it wouldn't. Because the problem is not coming up with great ideas. There's always going to be a great idea. The problem these organizations have is being able to message this to the people where it will resonate message the people that will get activated on it and the people that can change the outcome of elections. By changing the outcome of those elections, you change the legislation. By changing the legislation, you change the country. And so we're a partnering organization. And our goal is to find organizations like this and ideas like this that work and push that into that 5 to 10% of One Nation Army because that's how you're going to make the change for this country. How do you put together that One Nation Army that you've referenced a few times now? That's really a critically great question. 
and let me just share, if I can, some of the people on our board so you'll understand it'll make more sense. So one of the things you've got to do to really make for a successful organization that I've learned is you've got to have really well-known and excellent people that are helping run the organization. So our organization on our board is Susan Del Percio, who I think is literally on TV right now on MSNBC as we're talking. We've got Rosario Marin, who's the 41st treasurer of the United States. We've got, and this, is, this one's very important, Mike Madrid. So Mike Madrid was the co-founder of the Lincoln Project. He's the one that set up and did all of their analytics for their organization. And so we are copying that. And there's other wonderful, fantastic, really well-known people in our organization. But I want to concentrate on the Lincoln Project idea for just a second. So you may love the Lincoln Project. You may hate the Lincoln Project, but there's very few people that will say it was not successful in doing what it did. So that is exactly the process that we're putting together now. That is exactly what we're going to use. This is the same thing that the Lincoln Project did. He's now on our board of advisors. So when you say, how do you get out there? How do you build that army? How do you message them? You create through Susan Del Percio, Bill O'Reilly, who's the Buckley's nephew. And if you're in New York politics at all, you'll know he's part of the November team and the founder of the November team. But you take these nationally known people with a process that's already been proven through the Lincoln Project. This is not a theory. It's the proof of concept is done. And you craft this message to specifically resonate with that 5 to 10%. And once you've identified the message that specifically resonates with them, you keep rolling it over and over and over. And that's how you do it. You build up a trust with them. You build up a following. We've actually created our own proprietary database to keep up with these folks and, and to keep them on our list and informed. And that's what makes us extremely unique in the country and what we do. Well, Brian, in the limited amount of time we have left, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and One Nation Movement? You can go to onenationmovement.com. If you're on Twitter, it's at one move M1. So that's O-N-E-M-O-V-E-M-1. If you're on Facebook, you can go to One Nation Move. So I think it's actually at sign One Nation M-O-V-E. And I welcome anyone that would like to reach out and drop us a line, and we'd be happy to share more about what we're doing. Brian Mistro, as its founder and president, thank you for sharing One Nation Movement's evolution and core issues with us today. It certainly has its work cut out for it, and it'll be interesting to see where the organization goes from here and what impact it has. And again, Brian, thank you for joining me on Deconstructed. DJ, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by IVN.us, an open news platform for independent-minded authors and readers. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to IVN.us where you listen to podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or iHeartRadio.